Miracy. I'm Rob Drummond, and you're listening to Making It. I run a business called Story Copywriters, and we teach digital marketers how to write stories itself. I used to write essays, I used to write stories, and my teachers at the time really enjoyed reading them. But I didn't really know where I was going with the story. It was all, you know, fantastic monsters on desert islands, but the plot was really lacking. And a few years later, perhaps when I was about 21, I tried to write a full-length novel. And again, it was about monsters and spaceships and things that I wouldn't necessarily write about now. My grandmother was my proofreader at the time, and she really enjoyed reading it and couldn't wait to find out what happened next. But the problem was is that I didn't actually know what was going to happen next because I hadn't really planned it out. I just enjoyed the writing. I enjoyed the writing as a creative process. Sometimes you get up to a point in your career, I think, where you just feel in your bones that it's time to move on. And I felt that and I said to my then girlfriend, now wife, look, I think it's time to go. I'm going to go and work for myself. I was following people like Perry Marshall, Frank Kern, all of these people. I'd figured, how hard could it be? And my girlfriend thought it was a terrible idea. Um, so I set up a business and I ended up being a Google Ads consultant because I went to networking meetings and that was what people told me they needed help with was Google Ads. So I ended up building Google Ads. But it was always like kind of a front-end sale and I'd sell someone a Google Ads project, but then I'd try to sell them an email marketing project to say, hey, after you've signed up people, then why not also send them an email sequence to nurture them? especially if it's an offline sales process. So I was still doing the writing. It's been there in different guises. My first idea as a self-employed business person was selling SMS text messaging services to local businesses, which in hindsight was a great idea that nobody even knew they wanted. So cash flow became a big issue and I realized I had to do something. I was sending out mailers, I was sending out emails. I was trying to contact people on the internet. And I ended up walking around shops where I used to live and asking business owners in shops if they'd like to talk to me about SMS text messaging. The answer, of course, was no. But then I walked into one hair salon one day and purely by chance spoke to the business owner. And he said, no, thanks. Someone already deals with my taxes. And I said to him, no, not, not taxes text messaging, like on your phone. And he said to me, well, I don't think I need that, but can you get me ranked on Google in the Google rankings? So I kind of yawned as nonchalantly as I could. I said, yeah, I probably can. And that was what led me to get into Google ads. But it was only because I, I got to the point where I felt compelled to get out there and speak to people. If I hadn't have done that, I maybe wouldn't have gotten into Google ads. If I hadn't got into Google ads, I wouldn't have seen the importance of marketing follow-up and marketing nurture. So I think there are times, and obviously necessity dictated that I did that. I don't choose to walk around shops trying to speak to business owners. I don't recommend that. That's terrible advice. But I did it. And I'm kind of, in a way, I'm kind of glad. And sometimes I will do, I will do a piece of writing and I'll send it to the client to review and they'll say, doesn't quite sound like me. And sometimes we'll go through a few iterations on that. Maybe it's a bit of a rough first draft, but at some points, the client might just be being perfectionist. 
and they kind of have to let go of that. And it, it gets to the point where it's like, yeah, I can sound 90 to 95% like you. And the question for you is, does that last 10% matter? Because for the audience and for the business results, I would argue that it doesn't. So that's really the question is, does the final 10% matter? You know, if you're following the 80-20 principle, it's not even the 80-20 principle, it's the 90-10 principle or the 95-5 principle. So it's letting go of that part that takes it up to 100. I think the thing that I keep coming back to is I'm both the problem and the solution in my business. And I'm the problem because I have certain patterns of behavior that keep recurring themselves and I've become more aware of them as I've grown up, if you like. And one of them is I tend to just go off and do my own thing, which I think is why I'm a copywriter, because I like to work in isolation in my cave. But actually for building a business, it doesn't work. I think you've got to be in community. You've got to be, especially now where it really pays to be more specialized, really pays to be in a network of collaboration with other people who would conventionally be viewed as competitors. I think you need to collaborate with your competitors because really often they're not competitors when you're really focused and you're serving different markets, different audiences. So I've really had to kind of get better at networking and collaborating. And this is a work in progress. I'm by no means standing on high. I come to you as one of you who has struggled with this, I guess, and continues to struggle with it, but I'm trying to become a better collaborator. And I think that's the secret. I think making it for me has a few different layers. I mean, yes, there's an element of running a sustainable business that, you know, supports the needs of myself and my family. And I don't think we should dismiss that as being trivial because it's not. So there is that. But I think over the years, the obvious path to grow my business has been to grow an agency. And I've always kind of resisted that in favor of building a training business. And I think it's because I enjoy the training work more than the one-on-one agency work. But I think the reason I enjoyed the training work more is because it's more enabling. And I think enabling is the key word that maybe drives me. So if I can enable people to deliver the skills without me doing the work, then that is what success looks like to me, more so than me just having a small but hopefully happy client base. As my wife says, I don't stick any jobs or any client work that I really don't enjoy. I think I probably have quite a low tolerance for work that I don't really feel passionate about. And it's not, you know, I think from time to time, we all have to take on projects, do jobs that is work that we can comfortably get paid for, but it doesn't maybe sit in our sweet spot or it doesn't sit in the ideal work that we'd like to do. Um, And I kind of like the distinction of the business having kind of an entrepreneurial element where it's about the numbers and you have to make the numbers work and solve a problem and do it profitably. But then I also like the idea that there's a creative or artistic element to the business. And actually inside as business owners, we're all to some degree artists and our business is a creative expression of our art. And I kind of like that as well. I think all of us kind of vary in our perspectives on that. I think some people are more to the entrepreneurial, it's a numbers game. I'm going to build it and sell it and build a big team. And that's fine. For me, I'm not interested in building a business to sell it because it's my art form. It's my creative outlet. And it's just being aware of your stance on that spectrum, I guess. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. 
I think it was Peter Drucker who said that you want to spend about half of your life doing a variety of jobs and then for the second half of your life pick something and really specialize in it but without having the first half where you've done a variety of things you can't possibly know what it is that you really like to say no to so I think there's an element of yes you probably have to do a variety of things to figure out that in the first place so if you if if someone's listening to this and you may be not doing the work that you think you really want to be doing, but you're doing a variety of work. I think as long as you're learning from each project and each project is adding to you and adding to your skills and illuminating where you provide the most value or what you enjoy, then, then that's okay. I think most copywriters have at least a little bit of ego about your skills. So we don't like to think that anyone else could deliver the work as well as we can. And it's a life-changing experience when you trained up someone underneath you, and especially if they're following process documentation that you've created, and they go and write something, and it's at least 80% of what you would write. Or if it's at least as good, then you know that's when you know. That's, that's really making it. <laughs> it's when you can train someone to be even better than you, because that's the goal. It's not just, yes, we all want to be excellent, but I think if you can get someone to do what you're doing even better, then you could do it, then surely that's an aspirational thing to aim for. I'm Rob Drummond, and you've been listening to Making It. You can find me at storycopywriters.com, where you'll find the link to my book, Simple Story Selling, and also my podcast, The Story Copywriter Podcast. Making It is part of the Miracy FM network, which also includes Course Lab and Just Between Coaches. This episode of Making It was assembled by Jeff Govertson. Cynthia Lamb produced the episode. Danny Bermant is our associate producer, and Danny Innie is our executive producer. So you don't miss the great episodes that are coming up on Making It. Go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you liked the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.